Welcome to Career Revisionist with Dr. Grace Lee, dedicated to doers, dreamers, and realists who want more success and satisfaction in their life. This podcast is about answering one question. How can you build a fulfilling career where it's all about doing work you love and growing your income without sacrificing your values? And now your host, she reads every comment people leave for her online, Dr. Grace Lee. Hello and welcome to another episode of Career Revisionist. Today, my guest is Aaron Stewart. And how do I know Aaron? Aaron and I are in the same business mastermind together. You know, we have the same business mentor and coach, and we've been we've known each other for about a year now. And in that year, we've attended a lot of live events that our mentor puts on, and we've been part of this mastermind together, where it's a bunch of a bunch of us entrepreneurs, business owners who are working on our business, and we have a high level understanding on how business works business strategy and we mastermind and we basically help each other out in on our businesses so that's how I know Aaron and so over the time that I've interacted with him I invited him on this podcast because we worked on a project together we published a book together and the book is called million dollar story so I wanted to bring him on to this podcast to share with you his story because he and I have a similar path we both started in academia so Aaron also has a PhD, although in a different area from me. He has a PhD and he also has a master's degree. And so he's been very well versed in the academic world. And so he, from academia, he went into corporate and he made a transition to entrepreneurship. So we share that journey together. And I wanted to bring him onto the podcast to share his story as well and his particular research in his PhD. And I thought there was some golden nuggets there on his research findings that pertain to what are the benefits in terms of entrepreneurship? What are the benefits of having a formal education in college and university? So that is a golden nugget to listen for in our in our conversation. So very quickly, so Aaron's worked professionally in over 50 foreign countries, right? And he's seen firsthand the influence of culture on entrepreneurship. And so he has launched several multi-million dollar businesses without outside funding or offering from custom custom technology systems for Fortune 100 companies. And today he's focused on developing these technologies to help solopreneurs. So in other words, entrepreneurs who are working by themselves. They don't have large teams. They're mainly they themselves do all the, the roles, right? So that's what a solo is. And he helps solopreneurs to get their own messages to the world more effectively. Right? So he has a lot of experience learning new skills and looking for the best opportunities for them. Right? So this is what we are going to talk about. He's going to share it with us, share with you his platform for how he helps entrepreneurs and more importantly, his journey on how to get there. So if you're looking for encouragement, this is you're in the right place for this conversation. So let's look forward. Let's uh, put our hands together and welcome Aaron to the show. Hi, Erin. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Career Revisionist today. Dr. Lee, it's great to be here. Thank you. Awesome. And for the listeners who are listening right now, I mean, Erin, you and I know each other. We're in the same business mastermind together. And this past year, we've seen each other in various cities in the U.S., right? Yeah, we have. Yeah. So I want to, because I kind of know your story, but you know, the, for those of you who are listening, don't really know your story. So if you can share with us, you know, 10,000 foot view, you know, how did you get to where you are at Tay? Just give us a, a, a high level overview of your career journey. Yeah. So I was, um, interestingly, I was raised by entrepreneurs. So my father and grandfather are both entrepreneurs, um, self-made men. Um, but I, I did not want to be an entrepreneur. 
um, watching them because they um, worked so hard and so long. Um, my dad was always gone before we got up and he always came home, you know, about bedtime. So in my mind, I thought entrepreneurship took too much, was too hard, too difficult. And so I went the, I went the academic route uh, against my father's will. So I went to college, got a four-year degree, then went on and got uh, a master's in uh, business, international business from a little school called Thunderbird. And then I eventually went on and got my doctorate actually after working for a little bit in the cor- corporate world in organizations and management. And when I graduated from Thunderbird, I, I got a job in a subsidiary of Chevron at the time, and I became their international marketing director, which was fun. I got to travel around the world and visit. We had 56 distributors, and so I had to, tra- I had to see half of them every single year. So I was traveling constantly, going all over the world, uh, flying business class, expense, you know, I had an expense, expense account, dealing with the corporate world. And, uh, you know, I thought I'd kind of, you know, I reached it. And uh, one day I was in, and it actually, I, ta- I actually touch on this a little bit in our, in our book, uh, Dr. Lee, but I was in literally in Pakistan and I was in a weird sort of predic- predicament in a negotiation. And the armed guard of this, per- this person I was negotiating with put his AK-47 at the back of my head and, and then negotiated a lower price quite effectively. Uh, we didn't sell to him. We didn't do anything after that. But I sat there in that moment and then driving back to Lahore, Pakistan, thinking, you know what? I don't want to be told where to go, what to do, what to say, what to wear anymore. I'm done. Mm-hmm. And that was it. I went home. I had four more weeks on that particular trip. But I went home and went in and tendered my resignation and then just kind of started figuring out from there. And here we sit. Wow, that's really riveting. I know I have to say I have not heard a story quite like that one. So it seems like that the height, the climactic moment of having that gun to your head, that was what you know made it click for you that you didn't want to you wanted to move towards entrepreneurship. Is that right? Yeah, it was kind of like um you know, I looked at entrepreneurship at, <laughs> which is different than I think most people look at it and definitely not the way I look at it now. But as somebody who grew up in an entrepreneurial home, I looked at it as being difficult, hard, stressful. Well, it turns out everything is. Mm -hmm. Um, But at least with the entrepreneurial path, you have a little bit more control over that stress, that difficulty. You get to pursue your passion. Life's hard no matter where you go. Um, I think it's just a lot easier when you get to do what you think's best. Gotcha. So then how did you choose the jobs that you had after your graduation? What was the thought process there? Yeah, it was interesting because I studied international business um, and and yet I've always been drawn to technology. I started just consulting for firms and because of my international background with, um, you know, my previous firm, I had some connections outside of the United States. Um, I speak Japanese fluently and spent some time in quite a few, quite a few years in Japan. We had a really great distributor in Japan. So I tried to reach out to them and make some contents. And so I, I kind of put myself into a place where I was helping local firms try to find licensing partners in Japan, which kind of what I came up with. So I started doing that, eventually found a, um, got an agreement together where, and it was a struggle, but I got this agreement together. So this firm needed to pay me now because I did my, my end of the bargain mm-hmm. and uh, they didn't have any money. They were a startup. And so I negotiated with them to build this piece of technology that a, a friend of mine from India had 
approached me on and wondered about. And uh, so I, in exchange for money, I had them build me a piece of technology that was quite um, quite robust and quite fantastic back in 1999. And um, we got into the sort of the content processing and um, transcription business and went from there. So I started working with a lot of um, Fortune 100 companies, building out systems for them and started working with um, a lot of uh, hospitals and started doing new systems for them and started processing work for them. Gosh, I know it's, I mean, it might be hard for you to, go back in time and, and, and look at things as if something new that happened. Right. But I mean, I'm curious if that, if that event, if that traumatizing event didn't happen to you, do you think you would still stay in a job or do you think you would have still eventually moved over to entrepreneurship? That's a great question. I've thought about that myself. I think that, so I, my schedule at that particular time in my life is, I was on the road for six weeks and then home for two to three, and then back out on the road for, you know, six weeks. And so it was, I'd been doing that for over three years and it was getting a little exhausting. Mm-hmm. Um, that w- it was just a grind. And I, I didn't really feel like I was getting a chance to, um, to recharge my batteries. I was in my, in my faith, I was considered to be somewhat of a, um, an interesting individual because I was getting older and was not married. And so that weighed on me a little bit and it definitely weighed on my parents' uh, minds. And, um, and there was just no time for me to do anything for myself as far as that went. So I think I had started down that road a little bit like, okay, what could I do next? Because this is not sustainable. And so I had been thinking that way and going that way. Um, but that was definitely, and, and I think I was, looking for different consulting jobs and, and kind of trying to get an idea of what to do. But um, yeah, that pushed me over the edge for sure, where it's like, okay, the time for taking orders from somebody, that day's done. And um, sort of stood up for myself and, and went from there. Right. So you burned the bridges, didn't you? Are you burning yeah, the boats? Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah I, I definitely was... Um, and yeah, I definitely did and was assisted somewhat with some health challenges my father had and things. But yeah, I mean, it was, uh, I, I switched my mind and everything sort of lined up and it was like, well, it's, it's this or nothing. So let's figure something out. Right. I mean, because as you know, Tony Robbins says that if you want to take the island, you burn the boats, right? And that's exactly what, what you did. You kind of leap, leaped into it. So how did you figure out, okay, well, what kind of business do I want to start? What industry do I want to be in? What do I want to sell? Like, how did you figure that out? Yeah, I think I, I would do it differently now, honestly, looking back on my life. But at that particular point, I, and I think that it's, it's harder when you're young, so I, you know, I was still in my 20s. Um, and so I, I think when you're in your 20s, and, and definitely what, 30, dear me, almost 30 years ago, um, you look at a 20-year-old and think, what in the world could they know? Um, what experience have they had? And so I started to feel a little intimidated by, okay, what, what skills do I have? What have I, what have I done? And I didn't necessarily think, what do I want to do? It's what have I done and what can I leverage right now that um, I have, you know, an education in, that I have experience in, so people can overlook my young age and trust me to do. And so that's where I fell into sort of this international consulting and trying to get licensing agreements in Japan, 
I spoke Japanese, I had an international business degree, I'd been traveling a lot, and I knew people in Japan. So all the assets were there for me to do something like that. Was it what I wanted to really be doing? Not necessarily, but it definitely, it, it was a bridge. It was a bridge to eventually get me to figure out what I enjoy doing and uh, where my superpowers are. And so it was a means to an end. Okay, okay. Actually, I, I, I got to ask, how did you learn Japanese? I was, a, uh, I was first a missionary uh, for our for church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Spent two years over there and then came back. I just fell in love with the, um, with the Japanese culture, language, all of it. And so I became a bit of a Japanese geek. <laughs> came home, continued to study it, minored in it. Um, I traveled a lot over there. Um, I, interestingly, my son, who was, he just received his assignment for his church mission, and he will be going to Japan for two years, leaving January 15th. So we're very excited about that. And he will be serving the, in the exact same area in which I was in. So, um, but yeah, we just, Japan's a special place to our family. We all love it. Oh, that's just, that's is so incredible. So incredible. Right. And, and you have a number of degrees, you know, you have your master's, you have your doctorate. Would you say that? academia, going through the education system, the formal education system, would you say that it helped you in terms of navigating your career? Or would you, now that you can connect the dots looking backwards, would you say that it, you would still have been able to get to where you're at right now without those degrees? That's a good question. Um, that's an excellent question. I, I will say that you and I are in a mastermind that tends to beat up on academics a little bit, <laughs> which is... <laughs> Um, there's a lot in the entrepreneurial space that do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say this, that a formal education, like you can get out of, it doesn't matter where you are. If you want to learn, you can learn. Mm-hmm. And so I went into my education thinking, and I love to learn. I consume books. I love, so I went in excited about all the new topics and the different things that I got to learn where I probably wouldn't have taken time to do that. Right. I had to find elective. I had to find different things in order to finish my degree that forced me into some subject matter that I don't necessarily think I would have been interested in or or didn't know I would be interested in until I had that experience. And then I think that it's so important. So I believe that any education is wonderful. And that's sort of where my dissertation topic hung out. It's like, how does education, how does formal education improve one's entrepreneurial perception, which is essentially the title. And there's a very positive correlation there. So any education is good education, but formal education does have the ability to increase one's perception of entrepreneurial opportunities around them. Mm -hmm. That's what the research showed. And so my, I guess I would say this, any entrepreneur out there, if you want to create a unique situation and you want to mark your, find your spot in the world and what your superpower is, you better be learning everything you possibly can in as many different topics as you possibly can because the unique solutions come from our unique perceptions. And then when we bring them all in together and we go through that lens and look at a problem, we can come up with a unique solution nobody else is qualified or capable of doing because of everything we've learned and experienced and tried to do. I think that's what academia provided for me. It provided for me a lot of different avenues to learn a lot of different subjects which increased my ability to then come up with unique solutions to problems. I don't know what, how it all fits in, but I know that I have a unique vision and a unique view and I come up with problems that are very different from other people. And it's just all of that wraps up together and makes that possible. 
Yeah, I love how you said that. I want to take a couple steps back to something you said when you were talking about your dissertation. The finding was that formal education helps to to hone the perception. Is that am I am I getting that correctly? Yeah, it increases one's uh, perception of positive opportunities within their community. Okay. So, is what that means essentially for um, for all of us, honestly. I mean. We're a very charitable. We're a very charitable group of people here in in, in the western part of the world, mm-hmm. and we give a lot of money to folks that are less, are, are you know less blessed than we are, mm-hmm. disadvantaged, you can say. Mm-hmm. But to give somebody money isn't the way to get them to a better place. It turns out to be education. If we educate, if we we always talk about teaching someone to fish instead of just giving them a fish. Right. But the research showed that if we teach them, and it doesn't matter the topic. If we teach them anything and expand their horizon, then entrepreneurial um, opportunities become uh, much more easily um, seen, um, leveraged, and pursued. And so that's kind of the cool thing, was it? It was sort of a, and it, it was fascinating that it had the most effect in third world countries. Interesting. And it had the least effect in, in Western civilizations. And so it's, it, it just is, it was a very fascinating and interesting, and I have spent a lot of my time since then making sure that, and working with organizations that provide these, these opportunities, not only investments, which is great, but these microloans, but also provide the education along with those microloans mm-hmm. to help them learn so they can have a, a much better opportunity of being successful and finding the right entrepreneurial opportunity for them. Oh, that's awesome. So in, your, in your research, did you look at comparing educa- formal education with self-education? Yeah, no, we, this focused primarily on um, formal education. And it was because we were able to access, I worked alongside with Babson College and Thunderbird. And because they are, Babson is obviously very strong in entrepreneurial research and do a, and do a wonderful job worldwide. And then obviously with Thunderbird, I had access to a lot of students from all over the world. And so we just essentially took both of those tools and put them together and was able to do some really cool research. And it, it, the, um, the research came out of 40 different countries by the time I got done gathering the data. So it was really a worldwide study and it was fascinating and wonderful and, and, and really fun to come to that conclusion. I kind of held my breath, you know, when we were running the numbers and I didn't know what was going to come. And, uh, but I was really happy with, with what came out. We, there is much more, there's a much more positive correlation between formal education and entrepreneurship than even I thought was, was there, especially in underdeveloped countries. That's incredible. And that is very, that's a very encouraging new finding, you know, because, you know, I talk to a lot of folks and, and I've been a speaker in academic in universities for defining your own success, you know, to, to navigating your own career path. And there's, you know, students get stuck even at the, the PhD level, they get stuck and they, and they have, they've been inkling to start a business and then they kind of talk themselves out of it by saying, well, I don't have the right degree or I didn't do an MBA, I don't have business acumen, and they kind of just talk themselves out of it. But what your research really shows is that it's not about the business acumen, it's about opening your minds to problems you can solve. Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah, Yeah, and making sure that the education that you bring in is very well-rounded and wide, 
so you can come up with unique solutions. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because the bigger problem you solve, the more wealth you can generate and the abundance you can generate as well. Correct. And the more people you can help. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I love that finding. And so it's like a, it was, you know, the difference between is, was it, is formal education necessary or sufficient to increase perception? Um, yeah, sufficient. Um, again, it really depends on the person's um, wh- where the person is starting in their pursuit of education. Um, so the less the you know the 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 less education they've had exposure to, yeah. the more opportunity they had to increase their perception. Essentially, um, and the cool thing about it is it didn't matter how old they were. Mm. Um, it didn't matter along the lines. If we were able to get kids from you know five. To, from, to kids who are 40. It doesn't matter if we're able to educate them, give them opportunities to education, their perception of, of the opportunities around them increased and their optimism for their potential success increased. So it's really cool. It's empowering as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's very empowering. So what would you say to someone, someone who's listening right now to this episode and they are, you know, maybe in their thirties, forties or fifties, and they did not go through formal education system yet. They want to start a business. What would you say to a listener like that who is listening and well, and and saying, well, I want to start a business, but then I didn't go through formal education. So does that mean that, you know, my perceptions aren't going to be wide enough? Am I, I'm, I'm not going to see these problems then. Yeah, no. I mean, all of us have very unique um, ways of looking at the world. Mm-hmm. I would just say to anybody who's interested in pursuing something, right, to have a side hack, if you will, do it. I mean, come up with something that you're passionate about, that you're interested in, and see if um, start publishing about it, start reading about it, learning about it. Uh, but don't just focus on it. Make sure that you're also reading and taking in um, ideas from uh, different uh, industries, from different, um, a lot of different subject matter, because those, that's how, what generates unique um, approaches to different problems. And yeah, I, I think everybody should always have something that they're going to start doing. So mm-hmm. if you're going, to, and it doesn't matter if it's, you know, learning a musical instrument or whatever it is, something that you're pursuing for me, it's the next, you know, it's the next solution, the next business, the next piece of software. Yeah. And I'm always looking around for problems and literally looking for problems is a great start to practicing entrepreneurship. Look around and see if you can start noticing where there's inefficiencies, where there's problems. And then if there's a repetitive task in your life that drives you nuts, is there, is there a way to do that better? Is there a way to change something or create an automation or a routine or something to make it better? And um, I, I, that's really something that I've tried to do with my own children is ask them, hey, hey, where do you see the problems? And I want them to tell me, hey, that seems weird. That's wrong. Shouldn't we be able to do that better? Yeah. Okay, so let's think about that. So I think that's the first step to being a really good entrepreneur and coming up with unique problems is making sure that you can notice, uh, I mean, unique solutions is making sure that you can identify um, the problems and the and sort of the repetitive, annoying situations in our life and see if we can come up with a solution to make that a little bit better. Improvements. I love it. Improvements, yeah. right? And as you said earlier about your son going off to missionary and about to go to Japan, and he's going to receive his assignment on what that is, right? Remember you said that. And that's exactly what it is, right? We all have an assignment in our life and we have to know what our what is our assignment and we have to have dominion over that assignment. 
Yeah, there is no doubt that everybody's got something to give, mm-hmm. something to, and, and if you give it, it will improve somebody's life. So I, I would definitely encourage anybody who is even considering it, do it. Get out there and do something because you have got something nobody else has and you have a solution. And it doesn't matter if it solves one, two, three people's problem. Um, That's amazing. And once we solve people's problems, there's a real positive effect and uh, we can get some great momentum going and and really change the world. And that's what's fun about being an entrepreneur is I do believe that we are the catalyst to making changes that people may may not notice and don't know why. But I mean, all these wonderful new technologies and things that we enjoy now came from people just trying to solve problems they noticed with unique solutions. Yeah, yeah, I love it. So Aaron, I mean, tell us, share with us. I mean, you have founded a number of different companies and organizations. Tell us what it is, share with us what it is that you are doing now in your business or, your, you know, your various businesses and how... How well, like what, and, and relate that to what you studied in academia. Like, what did you study, and, and what, do, what do you do now in your business? So, yeah, I found out, um, Dr. Lee, through my life is that, that my superpower is uh, creating uh, systems, noticing problems in organizations, and creating systems that then address the, those problems. So, uh, I did that for a number of Fortune 100 companies, I've done that for my own companies, and and then I had, um, I got really tired of dealing with Fortune 100 companies. I realized that I sort of put myself back in the corporate world in that they were, it's very tough as a small business to work with, work directly with Fortune 100 companies because it's a very, it's a huge organization. They have very little concern about whether your company makes it or not. And uh, so they're always beating you down for a lower price. They can pull out of any contract they want. And there's really nothing you can do about it without a pile of money to go to court with. And so I got tired of sort of that battle. And so I decided to go in and, and be a solution provider to solopreneurs, smaller folks like me and small business owners. So I've created a solo SEO and a couple um, little companies that have helped uh, small business owners do that. But what I'm working on right now is actually... So we're doing a podcast here together. I started a podcast and I started doing a live show on entrepreneurship. And what I noticed was when I got done, and again, this goes to what we've been talking about. When I got done producing the content, that was the fun and the easy part. Now I had to come up with a way to market this thing. Mm -hmm. And so I would spend time creating graphics. Fortunately, my wife's a graphic artist, but we would create time. We would, you know, spend a bunch of time creating graphics in a bunch of different shapes and shapes and sizes. We'd run around, try to find our hashtags and our content and and then we'd start putting it out all over the internet. We'd run, you know, we'd boost some posts. We'd do all this kind of stuff. And it was, you know, to produce an hour long podcast um, well, I could produce a podcast in about an hour, one that's about 15 to 20 minutes, uh, just on my own with the stuff that I've created. But then I would spend the next three hours trying to market the thing and try to get it out there. And that became very frustrating to me. So what we have created is a system, a software, um, an, an engine, if you will, that once a content creator gets done, our system goes to work. So we create the branded graphics automatically from the server side with all your brands and all your designs and everything already input into our code. It spits them all out and it posts them for you with your messages and with the notes from the show. Um, Obviously I have a a little transcription company that we're bringing in that does all the transcription, the optimization and all that with it. So 
that's a little bit more manual, but at least the part that goes out and starts marketing for you does it strategically over the course of a number of days, so you don't want to burn out your list. Uh, but it's about branding, identity, and making sure that your message is heard the way you would like it uh, to be heard, and just we just do it louder and faster and wider than ever before possible with automation, with, with software. Yeah, that's amazing, and that is a really amazing feat as well because there's so many moving pieces to what you are interested in creating and what I love about your story your entrepreneurial story and of course I love the corporate story too but what I love about your your entrepreneurial story is that you were just in problem solving mode the whole time the theme of how you came up with your products your services is well what do I need and therefore I know there's there's a need for that as well right and you're iterating you have your mind open on what are some you know, you solve a problem and that opens a door to another problem. And then you solve that one and it becomes like the theme of what you can offer other people. And so it's very inspiring. Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's very, questions are your biggest friend. When I came up with this idea, I said, hey, is anybody else frustrated that you produce a podcast and then it's, (laughs) you know, you lose three, four hours of your life trying to market it? And everyone's like, yeah, that, so what do you use? And so there was a big discussion going on everybody's like we you know we use all these different solutions but none of them all of them have a you know essentially could create more work for you or don't quite get it done fully or don't have quite the flexibility that you need for your branding so it, you don't want it to go out looking ugly and unprofessional but some of them definitely were yeah. and uh but yeah i mean there was a tidal wave of man if somebody could figure that out it'd be great and i'm like okay and it's been arguably the hardest thing i've ever had to take on. I, I mean, I, I could fix Fortune 100 organizational issues with software so much easier than this thing turned out to be. Right. But, um, but it prepared me for, you know, this bigger challenge. And I, I've been really thrilled with the uh, development, the learning. I think that's part of entrepreneurship as well. Had to learn a whole lot, had to try a whole lot of different things. And, and here we are and the thing works and we're excited to get it launched. That's awesome. And, and just to fill, fill those of you in who are listening, and maybe you've not felt the pain of, you know, managing social media and creating content, you know, because that's what entrepreneurs do. We, the, the, the goal is to be omnipresent, you know, to have, you know, to put content, to be publishing across social media sites where your clients are so you can get your message and so you can reach out to them, right? So yeah. if you can share with us, Aaron, before the before and after. Like mm-hmm. what was what was the what were you facing before this piece of software came out as an entrepreneur and and kind of like what what life was like then and then uh, after and then after you know what life was like then you know knowing that there are listeners who haven't don't understand what that process is and you know because you know some listeners don't don't own a business they don't run a, an aren't in entrepreneurship so just kind of like go through this before and after picture for us yeah okay so. Yeah, before. So obviously, I, I launched a podcast and I didn't know anything about it. So I went, mm-hmm. um, you know, to the to the, the wonderful world of YouTube, right? And all the free information out there and learned all I could from a number of experts, frankly, that it, it's free and it's wonderful. And, you know, how you do it, what you should do, and what software you should use. And so I got all that sort of lined up. And um, my whole point was to go the cheap route because I had never published I didn't need to. I, you work with Fortune 100 companies and they all talk amongst themselves. And if you come up with a good solution, it's pretty incestuous. You're going to get business. Um, but this was different. Now, I wasn't sure if this was going to work. I didn't know if this was the right vehicle in order to get my message out. And so we started doing a podcast. And um, then I instantly realized, okay, the content creation is one thing, 
but then trying to get the message out, like you said, is, you know, I'll be omnipresent. That became very, very difficult. And, um, and if you don't do it, you know, big enough, long enough, hard enough, nobody's listening, right? I mean, you look at the numbers and it's just, you're not growing very quickly and it gets to be very frustrating. And so um, I had a big spreadsheet and I had all these automations built out where if whenever I published something, I would take the RSS feed and I would create this huge Trello board and uh, Google sheet that had all these to-dos for me to do to get done. And I didn't want to blast everybody out on a, I didn't have the time to blast everything out on a single day, but I could at least, you know, take bites out of the elephant every single day (laughs) until, you know, I'd eaten the whole thing over the course of about 12 days. And so I was publishing on Tumblr and Twitter and, and um, Facebook and Instagram and all of them to try to get my message out there. And I just systematically every day would go in. And so if I publish two or three times a day, now I've got two or three, you know, graphics to create and put out there because they're all different sizes. And it just became, if I didn't have all these sheets and Trello boards and all that to keep track of it, it was impossible. Mm -hmm. And I'm not one that works well with uh, assistance. I have a team in India and I had, I had a team in the Philippines and um, sometimes it's just harder to work with them than it is just to do it yourself. And so I just kind of continue to kind of work down this road after about a couple months of that and realizing again, I was exhausted. <laughs> I can't keep this up. It's a no brainer. Yeah. I either have to come up with some systems or this baby's done and I'm going to have to go find another way to try to get my message out. So that's where it kind of started. So now when I finish a podcast or a message or whatever, um, that's it. When I finish, I take off my, it's uploaded. I walk away. So the message and content, everything that I've produced is now automatically pulling from the RSS feed and creating the graphics with my branding and doing the thumbnails and uploading those for me on YouTube and Facebook and then it's doing all the different size graphics and it's dripping them out. I learned that you don't want to burn out your list. So you don't want to publish on every social platform your message to everybody at the exact same time. Because people who possibly could really enjoy your message see you two or three times and it's about you and what you're doing. It's a, you know, they just see you as a spammer and too many places. So then you systematically drip out and we call it a drip system over the course of 12 days to different social media platforms where those that are most interested in your business, you drop to them first. And then as the properties get less and less correlated to your type of business, you still drip out to them finding those that are, you know, might be interested and happy to be handing out that day. The cool thing about that is you've got now got brand awareness growing over multiple platforms and we need that Um, people in order for us even to, to break through their subconscious they need to see us in, on four different platforms on 14 different occasions, right? So we've got a lot of work to do to kind of get their attention so they even start recognizing our brand consciously. And so that's kind of what the system does for me. Wow. And so you can imagine just from that picture of the before and after how much of a time saver that is when you systematize and you find the leverage in technology to do everything that we need to do, right? Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> As far as book launches and all these other things, these fun things that we've got to work on, if I was still trying to take care of the podcast and do all that, I, I would be very limited with my ability to take on new things. But I do have time now to take on new things, and new things is where I really find my, my happiness, my peace, and my joy. So, yeah, it's been really great for me. 
That's great. And talking about book launches, I mean, you, you touched on it earlier that you and I recently launched a book together. So mm-hmm. tell, tell us about that. You know, what is the book about and, 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 and what was the process? Tell us about the book. Yeah, so the book is, um, um, it's essentially about our entrepreneurial stories and, um, you know, what, what are the experiences? I think we all sort of came at it, which is so beautiful. We all came at it from a little different angle. And that's because Jamie, who kind of organized the book, was really open to let us do, you know, what we wanted to do. So it was, um, it's called Million Dollar Story. And it's just about how we kind of figured out, you know, our own journey and our stories behind it. And um, there, it's just really good people, one, came together and did something that I think is going to uh, be super powerful for a lot of folks that are thinking about entrepreneurship. And so... That was an exciting, and it was fun to sit down and write again. I don't know. I mean, Dr. Lee, you and I have written a lot of papers over our careers because <laughs> yeah. we have to, right? But then when you graduate and you move on, I missed writing and thinking and organizing and, and outlines and all of that. It was fun to sit down and say, okay, I'm going to take my story out and I'm going to be able to write and and, and get back into it and, you know, let my fingers fly and think. And, and, but now they have so many wonderful tools, right. For bibliographies and everything else that we didn't have back in the day. But, um, but it was so fun to get in and do it again. And, and I wouldn't have had that opportunity had, you know, this entrepreneurial situation occurred where I freed up some time from some, some new unique solutions. Yeah. And it was such an amazing prod uh, project that we had with 10 other authors, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. It was so fun. And, and to come together too to market it and get the message out and work together. That was really quite an, a brilliant experience too, because I think a lot of times you think about entrepreneurship and I do spend a lot of time alone in this office, but um, we have opportunities like this and we have opportunities like book launches and joint things that we're doing and strategic partners and, um, it's really much more fulfilling than I think a lot of people think it would be if, if oh, I, I don't get to go to work and stand around the water cooler and talk and stuff. No, you talk a lot more to a lot more interesting people who are interested in a lot more of the stuff you're interested in. And it can become really a wonderful situation. And, I, you know, you, you and I have been fortunate enough to meet, um, but there's a lot that I'm really close to that I have not met yet and look forward to meeting with them someday. But this online entrepreneurial community has really become a wonderful blessing. It has. It really has. And it, I'm grateful to be a part of it too. So yeah. this, right, the book is called Million Dollar Story, Secrets mm-hmm. of 10 Entrepreneurs Who Had to Lose and Pivot to Profit and Win with Purpose. Cool title. It really was. Yeah. It really was. And it's available on Amazon. You know, So mm-hmm. if you're listening to this and you're curious, you check that out on Amazon. So Aaron, I've, I want to ask, you know, mm-hmm. you are such an amazing entrepreneur, how you came from academia, you and I have that in common, and how you're just an avid problem solver. So I got to ask, what's next for you? What are you working on now? You know, what are you planning for the near future? Yeah, I'm really excited about the opportunities of, so um, this automation, this online automation system um, engine that we've produced is working really well with social media and things like that right now. But I believe that it's now opened up a, a number of opportunities for me to go back to previous businesses and previous ideas that I had where I didn't quite have the tools I needed in order to really push it forward. 
I mean, we've moved into a, it used to be like the solo SEO tool that we launched back in 2005. It was a, it was the first online um, system of tools that could help small businesses do their own SEO for their own website, uh, search engine optimization for their own website, online marketing, things like that. It was the first one that brought it all together and created a system around all those tools. Um, and it was very much do it yourself. Like we gave you the tools and we kind of told you how to do it, but there really wasn't the opportunity for us to do a lot of that for them um, because we don't know their business. We don't know their competitors. We don't know a lot of things. Well, with this automation and what we've been able to do now, I believe that we can take a lot of the, uh, the menial tasks and the redundant tasks from doing something like, let's say, search engine optimization or competitive analysis or whatever, we can take a lot of this artificial intelligence and this automation and now start automating a lot of that, just like bringing the, how I bring the content to myself every morning. I think that we can do a lot of that automation to help small business owners leverage the, a lot of different wonderful tools out there to help them um, be seen more readily by those that are looking to buy. So not just social media, but really working with the search engines and their websites and being able to, to, to look at a website um, analyze it and then fix it for them using automation where they don't have to worry about doing any of it themselves. We just do it on the fly for them. And then the cool thing about that, and it's kind of where I've always wanted to get is I just want to create a situation where there's a level playing field online. So like, um, you know, like Russell Brunson from mm -hmm. ClickFunnels, who we, you know, we, we know Russell and, and we're in his mastermind, he publishes a lot. And then he has a team of really wonderful, talented people that get his message out in a variety of different ways. Um, then look to somebody like me. I don't have that. Um, but with this little thing I created, uh, I can go all Russell Brunson on him with no help at all. You know, I can get my message out as effectively as he can with no help at all. Okay. Now, if I can do that with some other things, because he has teams that does other things for his business, but if I can provide automations and solutions to help other people level that playing field, then the message and the story and the solutions are the only things we care about. And that's, that's where I want to get. I want to get where the best message, the best solution, the best story wins, and economics aren't part of the problem anymore. Amazing. That is awesome. So there's, Amy, I have listeners who are listening to this episode right now, and maybe they are in corporate and thinking about transitioning into entrepreneurship. So share with us, what are you optimistic about in the future of entrepreneurship? Just limitless opportunity. Um, and, and that's the cool part of where we're getting right now. I mean, I think through most of um, a lot of my career online, there was just some limitations to what was available and what we could do to, to grow. And I believe those limitations are dissolving uh, with a lot of cool solutions. And I think, and, and, you know, some people can afford to run Facebook ads and some people can afford to do different things and have huge staffs and things like that. But with automation, with systems that we're building right now, we're not going to have to rely on having a big, huge pile of money. It's just going to be about quality of message. And so that's the thing that I think is most exciting. So for us as entrepreneurs, let's, let's work on our solutions. Let's think about what we have to offer. Let's think about our solutions 
And then um, the way things are going right now, if it's the best solution and the, the most wonderful message and you can help the most people, then systems will make sure that your message gets out as far as wide as anybody else's and um, money will not be a barrier for you. And then um, I think that we're going to see a lot of wonderful people who may not have had the opportunity in previous in previous decades because they didn't economically have the opportunities that, that some others do. We're going to take that away and we're going to find some really wonderful, brilliant people that now have the opportunity to just shine and come out on top when before maybe society and the economics wouldn't make that, uh, would kind of prevent them from doing so. So what would you say to someone who is wanting, who's been wanting for a while to start a business, move into entrepreneurship, they're in corporate right now, but they are fearful of failing because maybe they didn't have the right business training. Maybe they didn't, they felt like they didn't have the right degree or the right background for it. What would you say? What would, what would you advise them how to make that leap into entrepreneurship? I get it. I mean, I get the fear. I definitely pursued a lot of education, um, trying to justify uh, becoming somebody that um, could, you know, make a claim with some degree of authority. And so I did suffer from imposter syndrome, and it probably pushed me to all these crazy, um, you know, degrees uh, with the alphabet behind my name, as my kids like to say. Um, and so I get that. I get that feeling. But I've also realized that. Um, the academics and all of that, that was more about me wanting to learn. And as long as somebody is willing to learn and be open-minded and, and try to use whatever they're learning to solve other people's problems, then you've got an opportunity to be really great in entrepreneurship. That's literally all it takes um, is effort and action. There's some, there's some beautiful force in the universe that if you take action and try to do something good for the world, it will work out. It's not going to be easy. You will look, um, you may go bank bankrupt a couple times. You may struggle, um, but there is, there is nothing, no failure need be final is something that's, that's said by a wonderful leader. Right? So there is nothing that's final. Failure isn't failure. It's just learning if you never give up. And I think that's the way we have to look at it. Um, failing, failing is, it's honestly something that we do all day, every day. And uh, for some reason, if we do it in entrepreneurship or some other way, um, we seem to get down on ourselves. And that's not, that is, cannot be part of this, that your unique perspective to this world has unique solutions. And um, to not share those would be um, hurtful to society, honestly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I, I, I totally agree with what you say around, you know, finding that piece of you that can be of service to other people adding value out there and that fear is part of the journey it's a feature of the journey isn't it yeah, yeah it is no it is it's it's part of the game i mean it really is i mean fear is uh you know fear just comes from a lot of i think fear comes a lot from from not understanding what's coming next and um i get it i mean you know i get it but it also you know the light always seems to be just one or two steps ahead of you in entrepreneurship. But until you get up to the edge, that light doesn't go out any further. Right. If you just stand there and don't do anything, you are just stuck in this little circle of light. But as you move forward, 
more things illuminate and your journey becomes more interesting. And uh, you will find solutions along the way that cannot be seen just a couple days before, as long as you're moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. And what better way to hear about journeys of entrepreneurship through failure to to thrive and and to grow as well as you know the book we did together in Million Dollar Story. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> cool book. Yeah, really cool book. I've enjoyed it immensely myself. Um, and uh, yeah, it's great. It's a good read. So thank you so much, Aaron, for joining me on Career Revisionist on this special episode. I really admire your tenacity to constantly be solving problems. I mean, that is the definition of an entrepreneur and um, your insights as well and how inspiring your story has been for those of you who are listening and are in corporate and thinking about going to entrepreneurship. Come join us on the dark side. (laughs) Thank you for joining me, Aaron. It's a pleasure. I appreciate it. Take care.